Patrons, this is the new episode of Comics Talk number nine, I believe. It is, yes. Uh, sorry, by the way, this is. Uh, I, I want to start out to apologize for being remiss. Uh, half of this month, there hasn't been uh, new episodes of Cosmic Treadmill or any of the uh, Comics Talk Patreon exclusives. You can probably hear just a little bit now that my voice is still coming back from a sinus infection. Uh, but this is definitely the best it's been. In uh, in weeks, and I think that's uh, sure. it's probably enough to uh, do this this one. So uh, this topic was suggested by our pal and patron, Jason Coulter, otherwise known as Andrew in Belfast. And uh, what are we going to talk about here today, Chris? Well, he shared with us a uh, an article discussing a. Uh... A, a ten-point plan for the comics industry by retailer Brian Hibbs. Now, this was a uh, piece by Heidi McDonald that appeared on ComicsBeat.com on February 28th, 2019. Uh, we'll throw the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Though, uh, if you're listening, you probably at least tangentially saw this. This thing kind of took over comics Twitter for a few days at yeah. the end of February. So yeah. a lot of people were opining and... Uh, making themselves feel like they were in the loop by uh, commenting on it. But uh, now the article that Heidi wrote is a tr- is really a transcript of this speech given by Brian Hibbs. Now, Brian Hibbs owns a store called Comics Experience in San Francisco. He's uh, he's like a, a, a tentpole uh, <laughs> retailer. Oh, yeah. He's just been around forever. He's been around for uh, at least 30 years, if not uh, 40, I'm not sure, but he, it's he's been a long time. And, and yeah, this, this isn't the first time he's uh, spoken up about the comics industry either. So. Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not. This is just the latest. Yeah. <laughs> um, now he he gave this speech uh, to uh, those attending this year's Comics Pro meeting, and that was held in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, we're not going to read his whole speech because you can just you can check out the article to get that. But we are going to touch on all ten suggestions he made in order to improve the health of the comic book industry as it stands. And uh, we'll give our two cents along the way as well, even though uh, we really don't have the legitimacy to do so. But yeah, well, that's we, what we do. We can always. This is this is comics talk. This is where we can yes. uh, interject it, our opinions. But this isn't uh, comics law. This so, is yeah, this good. is heavily from the retailer perspective. Uh, yes. And I think it's an important perspective because this is where we get our sales numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. No one. We we have no idea what the sell through is, but it's the. Book shipped that you know it kind of matters up front, and yeah. Brian will address that in one of his points. But he begins by saying that the direct market is an amazing intersection of business and art. He uh, says dedicated fans and pros working in a closed system in support of the art. Uh, if we didn't exist, people would be wistfully dreaming about a system like ours. Go ask, say, poets if they wouldn't do anything to have an independent, focused, and passionate market like ours, which is a pretty pleasant way to put it. It is. It is. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, speaks to the uh, direct market's altruistic beginnings, but uh, sure. That, that the, it takes the facilitatory a... nature of uh, 
yeah, of just was, collecting this thing together. Yeah. I mean, it exactly. It was, it was fans back then speaking in a lot of ways to fans, but uh, it, it, you know, Brian will take it to the dark turn in a minute. It's uh, he, he then talks about how the system has allowed retailers to enable publishers' worst practices. Uh, variant covers, successive number ones, too many comics, period. This is a lot of the stuff that we've already griped about on other episodes of Comics Talk. It's true. It's true. This is, uh, yeah, it's basically going through the last several episodes we did. Um, now, Brian spends, he spreads the blame around pretty evenly here, though he does come down heavily on the publishers in this regard. He says, I'm not at all convinced that over the last two decades or so that even the minimum amount of effort has been put into the de- in developing editorial staff and support at the largest publishers. Most editors are desultory at best uh, at, their sk- at that skill set. Instead, publishers have been emphasizing traffic management and corporate synergy as the most important skills to develop. Comics are written to fill arbitrary holes in production schedules rather than to be the best stories they can be. Creators are encouraged to write for page counts of pre-scheduled collections rather than crafting each individual periodical release to be satisfying in and of itself and only allowing the best of that material to go on to permanent book format collection. Content is, of course, the thing we retailers can impact the least. Make better comics has long been the battle cry, but it's out of our direct wheelhouse. Perhaps the cry should be... Make better editors, and that's definitely preaching to the choir there. Oh um, no, kidding! No I thought I, I think it's interesting. He makes a comment about the practice of now they put everything into trade, yep, and uh, yep. it makes for some trades that you don't really care about at all. You know, like you don't need. Them. <laughs> no, it's true because uh, we can compare this to uh, like in the mid two thousands when we we started collecting uh, DVD box sets of uh, television seasons, right. Where, like, not everything in the world needs to be collected, but I think the gotta-get-em-all kind of mentality makes it so everything does need to be collected. Yeah, it definitely, definitely speaks to the completists, but or sure. the completionists, I guess I think is the right word. But, uh, they're uh, both wrong, but we'll use them, <laughs> yeah, them yeah, anyway. Not, I don't think there is such a word, but people that, <laughs> people that collect uh, obsessively. But, yeah, I mean, I can tell you that. There are many volumes now of Justice League of America that I could care less about. I have no intention of buying them. So sure, sure. This but is you'll, where you're uh, missing numbers on your shelf. You but, I, but I'm getting over it. You know what I mean? I'm learning how to deal with it. Uh, anyway, uh, Brian Nelson. I, oh, I like sorry. the. Uh, I like that he's mentioning that the that we need better editors. Uh, this oh, is yeah. something that we've talked about All a lot. Yeah. Where uh, you know I, I I'm I'm covering Action Comics Weekly over on the blog, mm. and. Uh, this past week, every every week, there's a two-page Superman strip. Just two pages. It's right. basically formatted like a Sunday like a comic Sunday strip. paper, yeah. And last week, they listed two editors on it. Wow. It's a two-page strip, and it's got two. It's got Mike Carlin and Renee Wittestater. They got wow. two editors on it. And then I'm remembering that, like, every book that we read now has at least three or four. Uh-huh. And it just seems like we're putting more and more, and we're getting less and less. Uh, they're still rife with typos, which is the that, that's yeah. That the, was my next point. The here. first yeah. layer that they should be getting, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I don't really understand. Because like we covered uh, Young Blood number one on the Cosmic Treadmill probably around three years ago. Yeah. And uh, we reread through the uh, credits, and we joked that there was no editor listed because clearly nobody edited that book. Yeah. Because I mean, the first panel. We had mismatched uh, word balloons. Oh God! I mean, it was it the was the very first panel. 
And and then when I was uh, when I was reformatting our young animal segments to collect them somewhere else here uh, on the uh, on the feed, we we made that comment several times over that there were word balloons pointing to the wrong people. Yeah. And those books had three and four editors each. I know. Yeah. It's like what are we what what's what what are, what are we they doing, doing here? What's... Uh, I mean, what what I've heard is that uh, in comics, at least Marvel and DC, I'm not sure about the other ones, the editor really is, and Brian says it here. Is the production person? They're trafficking materials between freelancers and, I guess I don't know, in-house people, colorists, you know, other freelancers, and then getting it ready for printing, uh, which is not what editors. That's, that's, that's did. like a different position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as I can, as far as, and again, this is heard from people in the industry, but I, I don't don't know really how it is. There's no one really guiding the story anymore. The way uh, you hear about Archie Goodwin would mm -hmm. sit down, they would hash out the story, or uh, a lot of guys, Julius Schwartz, Dick Giordano. Um, Jim Shooter. Yeah. Jim Shooter, yeah, like, all right, you know, here's your pitch. Let's flesh this thing out. They might even plot it in a meeting. I, I, don't, sure. think that, I don't think that happens anymore. Uh, I just don't think that... The world is like that, maybe, but uh, it feels like the editors are like uh, it's like unpaid college interns almost, and they're working with these quote unquote superstar creators, and they 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 can't say anything. Yeah, there's that too. There is that ele yeah. element too. So, but you can at least get the uh, typos spelling right. Can we do that? <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, I just want to throw out there. I remember when we were kids, uh, DC and Marvel. I'm pretty sure made a big point about hey, they were the uh, gateway to literacy for so many kids. Oh yeah, and so they were adamant that all of their books would be typo and you know grammatically error-free. Yeah. You know, they'd all be sound. Uh, that if someone was speaking in vernacular, it would be clear that they were doing that, uh, mm -hmm. and they were. They were very formulaic in that way. That's got that's gone out the window. It really, you know, for it's sure. the words can be whatever they want them to be. Anyway. Uh, Brian also has some specific invective for the glut of issues being produced. Uh, he says, want a clear and current example of Marvel's preposterous flood the zone strategy? War of the Realms, which is a upcoming event in Marvel, uh, is supposed to be their major uh, second quarter project in 2019. But in the first month, they're asking us to buy into two issues of the series being released with no sales data, as well as four different tie-in miniseries. All six of these comics, which are built around a six-issue storyline, will require final orders from us before we've sold a single comic to an actual reader. Which sounds like it might have been the point, folks. Uh, so. Is there anyone in this room that thinks that's good? That this is sustainable? That this will sell more comics to more readers? That this will sell any copies to people who aren't already on board Marvel's periodicals already? I say to you, we do not need plans or programs that are aimed at selling more comics to the same customers. They really can't afford it, and they don't want any more titles to buy. Here, here. Uh, our focus mm. as an industry should be on making our periodical releases more attractive to new readers and grow our base, not simply exploit the existing one. And, yeah, again. 100%. 100% on that one. Uh, the, the sheer number of titles, and we, I think we've said that in Comics Talk. I know we have said it to each other before. Hmm. You know, there was a time, if you were a Marvel zombie, you could go to the newsstand or the comic shop every week, plunk down something like 12 bucks, and, yep. you know, 
have the whole thing. I, I read every Marvel comic. Uh, I mean, and I mean weekly too. So uh, yeah, for sure. It, it still came out to about fifty bucks a month. We're not talking it was free, but it was. It, I would say now, unless you're quite wealthy, it's impossible. Uh, yeah, it really is. I mean, just the number of titles, the price point of being five dollars and up for a lot of them. Yeah, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars now a month. And mm -hmm. uh, how is that useful? How is that sustainable? Exactly like Brian says. Yes, because you're never gonna you're never gonna get someone who's brand new in there to spend. And not even just walking into the hundreds, but I mean, walking in there with like a twenty. You I mean, know, a brand new person. What are they gonna do? You'd probably turn around right away. You'd walk in with your <laughs> twenty. You'd say, "What's going on?" And then you'd walk away. You'd say, "I don't even know they what I'm looking at." They walk in and they run out. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it's a wall of books that you have no no clue about. <laughs> Uh, and, and just just to say it up front, when he talks about the final cutoff order, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, generally, these books are solicited and ordered three months in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, they can tweak the quantities on the retailer, and up until about six weeks uh, ahead of publication, a lot of the publishers give a little leeway there. But that's they they like their FOC to be about six weeks from the, the pub date. Yeah, so, that's the cutoff for because uh, I do DCBS and the cutoff is generally six weeks out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you do find though there's there's cases where oh who knows someone will say oh I gotta have I mean they overprint anyway so oh they're, for they're, sure yeah. they're ready it's to never, uh, yeah. give you extras <laughs> if you want them. Uh, so here is that ten point plan that Brian came up with with some of our commentary and clarification. I uh, start saying stop mixing SKUs. Yes, and an SKU is a stock-keeping unit, and by this he means anything with its own barcode. So you got, like, the latest issue of Spider-Man and all of its variants. Yeah, I, which is a huge thing that, uh, as a buyer, and two guys that aren't obsessive collectors that have to have every variant, or really any variants, uh, I don't think about that a lot. No, but, certainly not. You know, that each one of those is another uh, thing on the order form, you know, whatever it is. So he says, stop mixing SKUs for things like minimum orders and chart reporting. Combining SKUs defeats critical economic Darwinism needed for a healthy marketplace and sends clearly distorting messages about how and what is selling. Each and every line item should stand on its own individually, and if there are variant covers that do not or cannot meet those paltry $2,500 wholesale orders, then it should not be allowed access to the national marketplace. There's absolutely no reason to waste everyone's time, energy, and bandwidth for individual covers that less than 200 accounts are purchasing. Publishers should handle those sales directly with those retailers without involving the national marketplace. And, uh, yeah, this this is a big revelation to me, in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I knew this was a problem for retailers. I know it's a problem for some collectors. Mm -hmm. But uh, being in New York, Chris, I don't think about a lot of these, uh, the, the, the needs maybe of other smaller, you know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, comic book sellers. I mean, I, I'm in a city with Midtown, which is the biggest or second biggest online retailer or whatever it is. They, sure. always, they always get the variants. They're always going to get the variants. They have three stores. They have online sales. They have two warehouses. Mm -hmm. uh, they can do it. For sure. You know, you're a spot in Phoenix might not have, or or more more like it, a spot in Montana, might in not Omaha, have that, yeah, <laughs> that uh, luxury. And uh, you know, it, part of me feels like, well, so those customers, they don't get the variant, but they can if they go 
to DCBS, you know what I mean? Go online, so yep. It, 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 it really puts the, the comic shop behind the eight ball to try and compete here uh, when it's not logical. And, and also, then you see, you know, if, if Amazing Spider-Man had eight variants, well, now it looks like it pushed 140,000 copies. Sure. And it didn't, you know what I mean? It, 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 no. it was all bolstered to achieve, you know, uh, these variants to, to uh, what is the word I'm thinking of, Chris? To, uh, you know, you have to sell X percent, you have to buy X percent more of Yeah, all the incentivized, yeah. Uh, these incentivized, you know, that yeah. just to achieve the incentive, uh, it's just they, they boosted up these orders and they're all headed for the for the garbage pile, buddy. I mean, that's yeah. That's really mm-hmm. all we could say about it. It's uh, it's nonsense, and they they do uh, store specific variants. So they do. We're not mm-hmm. we're not saying to cut those out, and you know, but maybe we need to look at these. And I and I'm I'm going to say right now, I I'm starting to include the one to one variant too. Yeah, it's because they're because they're just so they're. I mean, if there was a reason for them to exi- exist other than. Other than sales, of course, I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it. Or if it was something that only happened occasionally, that's right. cool too. But it's like, you know, I, I'll review uh, Teen Titans on Weird Science, and uh, there'll be the cover, and right under that is a variant cover that is just a picture. It's just, yeah. it's like this this month, it's like just Deathstroke standing there. It's like, yeah, it's a pinup. Why do I, I need mean? this? It's, it's uh, yeah, and uh, it's just for the it's just for the judge. Yeah. yeah, and and also to. Increase your sales. Uh, it's it's funny. It, it, doing comics talk has tur- turned me around on those because I used to see them as sort of benign. They're harmless. But, they were, yeah. but I, I'm starting to see that they're not as harmless as we, uh, as I as I assume they were. No, and it's it's funny because I uh, I actually have a, a firsthand account uh, of going to a comic store that sells new comics because I I don't usually go to a store that sells new comics. Yeah. The, the store I go to is a back issue only store, and uh, some of the stores aren't even comic shops that you go to. So not in yeah I, I, I'll go to a record store or whatever. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I went in there because I had to get Action Comics number one thousand seven because okay. DCBS had uh, they had. The way they have it formatted is be, is the way is like the wrong way to do it in my opinion. But it's right because they got extra money from me for nothing. They have like the they'll have like Action Comics say 106, and then they'll have the 15 variants under that. Yeah. As all different items, and then they'll have like reprints. It's right there too. It's like oh, uh, resolicit 1004 oh, variant C. So I accidentally <sighs> bought a variant from an old issue instead of 1007. Wow. And so I had to. So I had to go to the damn store. I you know I spent extra money to go buy 1007 in a comic store. And I get there, and the entire wall, every book has like three spots on this damn wall. Wow. Because, like, you have the regular cover, you have the pinup variant, you have the black and white variant. Sure. The blank variant, you know. Oh, God, the blank variant. (laughs) And it's like, where where are other books going to fit? Because there's, like, spatially, there's no room. I mean that that's part of the tactic is and that's been a long time publishing For even ages, out, sure. outside of comics yeah just to yeah. crowd crowd people off crowd the shelves out. but yeah. uh I mean I all I can think of is the vast majority of these comics are going nowhere they're they're nope. piling up they're you know landing up in garbage bins it's just it just isn't Reasonable to for a for an average story to, for an average store to carry four and five versions of the same comic. 
um, before DC changed their trade dress to their new variants where they took the logo away, there were many times I bought the variant accidentally. Sure. Uh, and again, because I'm the person I am, it doesn't matter. But doesn't matter. Some other people, well, that would annoy them. That's going to send them back. Mm-hmm. Now they're buying another copy, you know. And then there are people that already collect both, both. both versions. Yeah. So it's uh, I I got I I totally hear it. I think that what well, I mean the, on the plus side of the variant is it gives an artist a job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's getting to be too much of a glut. Really is, you know. That's Big all. time. Big time. Yeah, because even just Action Comics had like, like five or six spots for just Action Comics. Oh, and, and I'm so thinking many. like, I'm, I'm like, do five people come in here to buy Action Comics? It's That's what I'm saying. Much. You know, like it's, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, now back to uh, Mr. Hibbs's uh, ten points here. We're up to number two. He says, by the same token, I call again for all sales charts to include a penetration index, which is a simple percentage of how many accounts are purchasing a specific SKU. SKUs that don't reach, and this is a number from a hat, not a, for a talking point, approximately one store in three probably don't deserve national distribution. And this is also, again, fascinating to me. As, as a New yeah. Yorker, uh, you know, we get... The comic stores over here, they get pretty much everything. Everything, you know? yeah. Uh, you know, you, from the, the lowest boom title to the, to the top Marvel or whatever it is. But, yeah, does that make sense? Uh, if if only people on the coast are, are buying Domino, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I just threw a just comic out of nowhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, then maybe it's not worth publishing that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like It's true. Uh, and, 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 I mean, the the, the thing is... You could have a comic that just sells in New York and and supports you. Uh, mm-hmm. There are nine million people here, so if you just have to sell to a tenth of them, you're doing great. You know what I mean? You're doing wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but but as an industry, it it cripples the industry. Uh, it forces these other retailers to look at comics that don't really make sense for them. I think you know. Yeah. Um, and and just one one last thing from from me about this. This reminds me of. Was this two years ago when uh, – it was probably the same exact retailer conference, actually, when somebody told uh, Alonzo, Axel Alonzo from formerly Marvel editor-in-chief that uh, the problem was that sales were down because of diversity. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it was couched. And at first they seemed that's amenable. That's the clickbait title, yeah. <laughs> it, it really was. It, uh, you know, it, it – uh, you know, it, 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 it was huge for a minute. Marvel seemed to respond. Then they seemed to back off of, you know, they were like, no, no, diversity is uh, the way. I don't think that was the point. I think the point was when people go to the comics and and new readers, and this is something I want to maybe expand on later, mm-hmm. they want to see familiar things, okay? Yeah. A, a person that's never read a Superman comic, guarantee they know who Superman is. Mm-hmm. So when they open the comic, they want to see a guy with eye lasers, right, throwing a truck mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, hot for Lois Lane. If they open the comic and he looks like a craggy bone beast, yeah. right, and he's like, uh, <laughs> you know, can't even speak normally, what am I looking at? And and, and and that's just, you know, that's just one angle. If If you're looking for Thor, you like the Thor movie, you want to see Thor, you go to it, you open it up, and there's a woman... Yep. It's it's you know, you can see why that would turn people off. 
It's uh, missing the target for a new reader, for sure. I think yeah. so, you know, and, and it's it's a tough discussion to have. And, and we maintained from a comics talk a couple of weeks ago that the problem at that era of Marvel wasn't diversity, but... So many sea changes at once. The methodology, uh, yeah. They, they the like, rush. They rushed. They changed so many things. Miles Morales is hanging out. We had a little girl in the Iron Man costume. We got a, yep. you know, it was just a million things at once. So anyway, I'm sorry. What's, no, what's your feelings on this? <laughs> no, and uh, stick sticking with that for uh, for just a second. I, uh, you get you only get like one chance to make a first impression, yep. you know. And uh, and since we don't have, it's. For some reason, they, like, won't give the middle ground. They won't give a line of books for the people coming in from the movies. Right. Instead of doing that, they decide, screw everybody, because not, they're not making anybody happy at this point. Yeah. With the, uh, with, the, with the thing with Alonzo a couple of years ago, you had the longtime readers who were turned off because everything they knew was wrong, and then you have the, the prospective new readers coming in, and they haven't the foggiest idea which way is up. Yeah. So it's just so wrongheaded, and... Uh, Lord only knows why they did it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I remember in the earlier 2000, well, I guess this is more actually mid-2000s, when <clears throat> Marvel changed a lot of its costume designs to be in in, in line with the movies. movies. Yeah. And that annoyed a lot of people, but it turned out that was all they did. Nothing else was, was looked like seemed like the movies at all. No one acted the same way. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. the relationships were totally different. Yeah, because the big one was Hawkeye, because they took right. Hawkeye out of his little wing-eye uh, outfit, and they yes. put him in the, the sunglasses, and people kind of flipped out about that for a minute. Uh, but, yeah, but that was, it was very cosmetic. Change. It was all it cosmetic. Was, it was yeah. like they never, and, you know, just, just to go back to the Thor thing, like, it's not that you can't have a female Thor, and as we said, that story turned is turned out to be pretty interesting. interesting yeah. But you gotta have that touchstone where when a, a reader picks it up, whatever it is, Thor is there saying, "I hope you're treating my hammer well," or you know, yeah, he's just there. You yeah. know, he's gonna there's gonna be something in there in every issue to explain that this is anomalous. You know, that this is a. Sure. Uh, this is this is unusual, and this is what the story is. But I mean, there's you know. A million ways I think it could be told. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's fair to say that it was handled poorly the way it was done. Yes. <clears throat> now this one's interesting uh, that we as re- as buyers never have to deal with. Uh, Brian, the third point says all meat or exceeds must go away immediately. Uh, I'll just finish this thing. Tying one mm-hmm. product to another is not only immoral and creates an environment of haves and have-nots. But I also strongly believe it is against federal law. And if you want to say this part about you, I don't know why. I oh, <laughs> now this uh, this would be the practice of incentivized variants, of course, which are often made available after a minimum purchase of. It could be the same title. It could be another title entirely. Another title entirely. Yeah, uh, and expressed as a percentage increase of the previous order. So buffs everything up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like if you it, sometimes it's if you want the Spider-Man variant, you need to increase your order of Spider-Man. Yeah. Then sometimes it's you got to increase your order of a book that isn't doing so well. Of Moon Girl, yeah. Artificially inflating its. I mean, this is exactly what Brian's talking about. Is this artificial reporting that isn't? You know what I mean? We're not getting a real picture of what's happening in the industry. No, it's a poor uh, metric. Yeah. I mean, I have a feeling if we ever really audited it. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> you would see a, a big, big change overnight. I think it would be horrifying. I think so. But uh, I mean, it, this does seem like total baloney to me. You know, when things are returnable. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if, I, 
Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer or anything, so I, I can't really speak on the federal law yeah, aspect know. of it. That might just be something he pulled out of his ass. But um, this this is a what was it? The the lenticula covers. Right. That was like when this really sort of hit the mainstream, at least as far as the comic blogosphere and Twitter sphere or whatever. But it was the Marvel Legacy lenticula covers, uh-huh. where you would have to get you'd have to buy X amount of random book. To get the uh, to get these lenticular yeah. covers of the other of the main books of the selling books, I should right. say, it was just very very strange, and that that was when it really kind of hit the fan um, outside of like Bleeding Cool. You know, it, it actually broke out of Bleeding Cool and hit everything else. Uh, it, it's something that the publishers have been doing on the sly for years, not for every book, yeah. but uh, and and you know, in some ways, to to play devil's advocate. You could be saying, well, Marvel really, I'm just, we're, we're just picking titles. We, we have no real information here. But no. Marvel uh, really believes in Moon Girl, and they believe it's not getting the push it deserved. And here's a way to get the push. However, again, I think about that store in Montana. Mm-hmm. How much walk-by business is that guy getting or that, that sure. person getting? Uh, how many issues of Moon Girl... Could that store ever possibly, you know what I mean? Like, for sure. If that store sold five issues of Moon Girl in a month, that would be a better month. So, <laughs> making them and, buy twenty is ridiculous. It doesn't make any and, sense. And to make it even a little bit more wiggy here, say they actually do that, and it's you know you got to pump up Moon Girl to get this lenticular variant. Yeah. And the issue of Moon Girl they ship is impenetrable to new readers. That's the thing too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd think they would make it a special jumping on point, yes. but no, it's a, it's a, it's often. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a problem with comics in general. But yeah, yeah, I could definitely. I would. I would love to. You know, one day, Chris, we have to uh, do a man in the street and grab someone that's never read comics mm-hmm. and sit him down with three that we just grab off the shelf. <laughs> I, I really want to know what the new, brand new reader thinks. You know, that'd be interesting. It really would be because uh, these people, you know, they're all. Familiar with the characters to some extent, sure. at least at least most of the big ones. But at, at view, yeah, yeah. You know, then when you know when they open it up, they're just like, this doesn't remind me of the Super Friends at all. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, then maybe someday if we could ever uh, convince somebody to do it. Yes. <laughs> no, back to. Do you have anything else to say about step three? Or no, I, this this is really a business. You know, it, I, one one quick thing. It made me think of when I worked at a beer distributor years ago, and there were often cases like this where you could in the summer there were like I don't remember special Pepsi cans or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and you could get more of them. I, I I just don't remember the deal. We're going back thirty years of my life now, but mm-hmm. uh, you had to buy more Pepsi. Clear of some some crapola uh, sure, sure. to get the extra the special case of cans. The stuff that people wanted. Yeah, yeah, basically. However, again, all that stuff was returnable. So if you yeah. didn't, if you didn't yeah. sell it, it was not you know there was a risk obviously to just put it in the store, but they mitigated that risk. That's not the case here. They basically are those comics. They land at the store and they die there. You know that's that's it. it. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. anyway, that's that, that, we're, we're going to be coming back to that in a little bit. Though, will, the, yeah. the returnable aspect, which is. Probably, probably like the most interesting part of it. I think so, yeah. Uh, now, onto onto Hibbs's uh, number four here. He says there needs to be a creation of a threshold of what the native sales of a base title must sell or be projected to sell that limits the number of variants that are allowed. I suspect the number is something like one for every twenty thousand copies sold. 
But again, numbers from a hat. If you sell 20K or over, you can have a variant cover. 40K and over, you can have two, and so on. Below those numbers, you don't deserve any. And there is no universe outside of once-in-a-lifetime events like Action Comics number 1000 where any single comic should have ten or more covers. I mean, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. I would go further and say... Let us do away with uh, covers, those covers altogether. But yeah, this seems like a good compromise to me. It, I, you know, I, I just don't know about like, like etching this in stone. You know, because yeah. it's just how can you control it? You know, are you going to make Marvel and DC sign a contract? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it, this. This needs to be something. I, I mean. Basic capitalism. You have the invisible hand here. Just stop buying the stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. as retailers. Band together, you can't. The thing is, they'd stab each other in the back for a nickel. So That's right. you got to band together, and then you can make change here. You can't just say, "Okay, here we go. We're going to create a threshold, and there you are." It's just never going to work. Yeah, I mean, you also. What are they going to get the government involved? I mean, come on. I mean, that, that they tried. Remember that, that, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, the you know, the, it's true because, and then you got a store like we say, like Midtown or the bigger, mm-hmm. a bigger store. Yeah, that's no problem for them. They, they can get variants all day long. Uh, but, you know, so they can inflate those numbers ridiculously, but it doesn't help anybody No. in the industry. I would say, put a pause on the variants altogether, maybe if oh. we're a landmark issue like Action sure. 1000. Action or Detective. Uh, yeah. Detective, or even like, who knows, I don't know, Deadpool, Smokes Dust, number four, I don't know, you know, there mm-hmm. are different things. But uh, whatever it is, you know, there are reasons to have variants, not just as a... Gimme, as they're all getting them, you know. I don't think there's yeah. a comic, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to mention titles, but there are some titles coming from uh, DC in particular with some really low numbers, Chris. Like, yep, unbelievably low numbers, and they have var- and they each have a variant, and they have variants, yeah. <laughs> and it, and and it makes me like what Brian is saying is, you're right. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to even the little bump that a one to one variant will give it is false. It's doesn't. It's not a real thing. So yeah. Uh, let the, metric. Let the book exist as it is at, on its own merits. Or not. Yeah. Or not, if that's the case, exactly. Yeah. Like, let's really review it. Uh, it's number five point, and it just continues from what we are just talking about. Brian says, if that's not enough, I also think there should be only a certain percentage of a publisher's line that should be allowed to be variants. Kind of just what we said. Again, mm-hmm. as uh, from the hat number, I'd suggest a possible number like 25% of their total output. And yeah, I mean Batman, that that's a comic that could have a variant, right? Spider-Man could always mm-hmm. have a variant. Maybe not uh, Howard the Duck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, or even or even maybe not the Flash. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even sure. know what the sales are on that, but I'm sure they're lower than Batman. I, I, I guarantee it. You know, but I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. If, if they're not, if they're not, you know, pushing major numbers, then why bother with a variant? You're just Forcing an obsessive person to get another issue. That's all you've That's done. It. And it's just another one of those things that they can't police. You know? Yeah. It's just this is all this all has to be you know, I don't know if this was a rallying cry to the retailers or if this was just a this is the way it ought to be, but it really needed to be a rallying cry. They need to be some unity, because I mean they are on the front lines here. Absolutely. They yeah. they they are beholden to to Marvel and DC especially, just to keep their lights on and keep their doors open. So it's like, if you want to affect change, I mean it's there's that saying. It's like it's nice to think you're doing something, but if you're not really doing something, you're not doing something. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So you need to actually 
you need to put the money where the mouth is. You know, I've got that retailer by me who stopped selling new books because he sure. got ticked off. You got to actually, you got to, you got to make the move. Yeah. I, and I just don't think, I don't think the integrity is there from the, the vast majority where this will actually happen. Well, because the reality is if you did cut off uh, a large chunk of Marvel, a lot of these stores do face dire dire straits sure sure it's it's to me it's it's either now or later you know uh and i i, I think yeah. of a guy I used to come on the uh it was the bleeding cool forums years ago now and he used to always claim he was going to drop marvel in his store drop marvel drop marvel he never did you know what i mean it was all just no. it was all just talk and that's all it is then you know what i mean if you're not willing to uh you know exactly put your money or yeah Remove your money from where your mouth is in this case. Uh, bluster. Yeah. It, it is a lot of bluster. But, you know, I think that Brian is making some good points. And, you know, the, Not a perfect world, sure. the direct market began as a good faith agreement. And I think he yeah. is, is implying that maybe it still can be that. I don't know that that might be naive. <laughs> uh, but but that, that seems to be where he's coming from. Like, let's make an agreement uh, among retailers and publishers. And yep. I mean, even, I mean, now this article is three weeks old or four weeks old. I'd say it's forgotten already, but... Oh, I'm sure. Whatever. <laughs> we struck while the iron was hot. <laughs> As best we could, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, number six from uh, Mr. Hibbs' list, he says, I call for all shipping information to appear on invoices in a box-by-box format. Shipping is an entire black box at Diamond with very few or very poor methods for retailers to understand what this major expense genuinely entails. Frankly, it's time for Diamond to... In- to entirely reevaluate how they handle discounts and shipping, because as things currently stand, in most cases, including virtually every single exclusive publisher, it is actually cheaper to buy most backlist product anywhere but Diamond, yeah. because almost every other distribution option includes 100% free or steeply discounted shipping. Yeah, uh, that's totally true. You're someone that buys comics online, primarily mm-hmm. new comics, yep. and uh, besides getting your 20% that you would get in most stores, right, for... Uh, uh, new... Yeah, it's like we get 40% at DCBS. You get yeah. 40%. So, I mean, yep. you know, uh, most stores, a good store would give you a 20% discount. Some of them don't even give you that. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh, what is what is the shipping? I mean, they they both the shipping. Them, so. The shipping. I mean, because they they still get the books from Diamond, so right. it's uh, it is the shipping is it can add up if you they do it every it week. But, yeah, I mean, uh, if you do it every week, you're paying probably because what is it? It's like uh, I think for the for once a month shipping, it's like six ninety nine, okay. and then if you jump up to twice a month shipping, it's it's like fifteen ninety nine, and then if it's weekly shipping, you're up like twenty five bucks. Right, so right, okay. you might be eating your entire. Uh, your entire discount. I gotta say that. though, for, for the volume of comics that I that you that I, I used to a lot get, of people, <laughs> I, I bet it's still well, not anymore. But no. uh, but thinking of it, if it's a decent volume, I bet it's oh, pretty, yeah. I bet it's a wash. I bet it's I bet it's the same price as if you went to the store. Uh, if you did four, if you did four times a week, I mean, this is a lot of factors involved. But the point is, you are you are saving money. You're saving yeah. a lot of headaches. Uh, you're saving a lot of uh, farting around in the store while some guy tells you you got the wrong uh, <laughs> Superman shirt on or whatever. Uh, it's like, why wouldn't you do it? And and I know that I know for sure. God, I, I get in my mail all the time. Midtown has these unbelievable sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll offer free shipping. Um, 
thing from another world has a as a, a shipping a free shipping option. I think after you Westfield, yeah, yeah. I you know it's it's true. It's like Diamond, and, and not that Diamond should offer free shipping, but I, what he's saying here is that you know we need to assess that that cost. We need some transparency. Uh, yeah. You know, and and can we bring that? Do we need to bring that cost down? Number one. And can we? How can we do that? Uh, you know, sure. This is the kind of thing that would happen in any other company on a regular basis, probably yearly, uh, but not Diamond, which sort of does operate in like a shadow world. You know, like they don't need to mm-hmm. reveal all of their. Uh, yeah, they're the only game in town. So they, yeah, that's exactly. They don't need. They don't. Yeah. Need, I mean, frankly, I I wonder why we even get the information we do because they don't have to give us that either. No, they don't have to tell us anything at all. But I guess they want to have their. Diamond Book of the Week, and so they have to justify <laughs> it somehow. So uh, that's something that you know doesn't super affect us as customers, the end users, yeah. But it does. It all rolls downhill. You know what I mean? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it. This sort of explains maybe why there's such such a proliferation of online places to buy uh, physical product. You know. Yep. Number seven, he finally gets to talk about the FOC. That's the what we talked about, the final order cutoff. Typically, six weeks before the release date of a comic. Uh, this needs to be 100% firmly bolted down and locked no later than noon on Fridays. This includes each and every cover. Absolutely no changes should be added after this time, and every listing that doesn't include all art and all information should then be 100% returnable, even if that's out of Diamond's End. Now that is interesting. I think what he's referring to are books that, uh, even up to the FOC, don't have final information. Sure. You know, and so, you know, part of the problem with with being a retailer is you fly blind. You have to think about what your customers might want and customers that you don't have might want. Mm-hmm. Uh, or customers that you have now that you won't have in six weeks. You know, possibly. Yeah. Exactly. You really have to. Just try to guess which way people are going to jump. And when you're given a book with no information or little information up to right before publication, mm-hmm. that's useless. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. Unless that's the gimmick of the book where it is like a mystery sort of a situation. Okay, possibly. But uh, but other than that, I mean, that's very seldom. Uh, I, it was it was pretty big a few years ago at Marvel, but uh, now oh, it's yeah, yeah. fairly Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember seldom. a lot of these were redacted, redacted. Classified, yeah. But at least they, they, that those solicits gave you a clue. And yeah. at least you knew the characters that were in them, Captain America, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to want to buy Captain America to some extent, although I'd say that's less true today than it's ever been, that kind Probably. of thing, you know, where people Probably. are buying out of, for characters. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, uh, it's funny, that so often, uh, at least once a month, I'll get an email from uh, DCBS with, uh, with like a brand new cover being offered. Wow, and it'll be it'll be after the final cutoff because they'll ask me if I want to cha- update my order to include this new cover, yeah. and uh, I just wonder where those come from, or or like even how they how they come from, you know, like we're like three weeks away from a book releasing, and it's like, hey, why don't we do a nineteenth cover on it? Right. It's like, where does I mean? I assume come? they pull them out of inventory, right? I don't. I don't know. But. I don't, uh... I, I mean, because it's, it's on a new book, so I just don't know what the what the thinking is there. It's unless it's just a a perceived value added thing <laughs> for us. My, my guess is FOC comes, the numbers are where they want them to be, 
I they, think you hit they, it right on the head. They uh, beef him right up. on the they head. They try to beef him up, sell another a couple of hundred. Because that is what we're talking about, too. We're not talking about jumping from, you know, 1,000 to $10,000. we are yeah. talking about if they can push another 500 copies, they'll do it. That That's well worth it in their mind. Even I if you, you even hit a couple it right on the hundred. head. Uh, yeah, I think that, that, that's got to be it is uh, after FOC. I mean, you know, the publishers want to hold the retailers to that FOC. It should go the other way. You know, For sure. Because, you know, retailers... I mean, I got to think about DCBS, also the guys working there. When they get another cover slipped in, they're like, great, now we got to contact everyone that, that bought that comic. Yeah, it, yeah I'm sure. Ask them, you yeah. know. <laughs> and as yeah, we said... Because they, they have a physical store, too. So it's like, they oh, got... Yeah. They got out of both ends, so I know. what it's, a pain. What a pain in the butt, you know? And, and <laughs> as we've said before, whenever you give someone a chance to review their purchase, often they will not make it. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's true. <laughs> on, on second thought, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I've done that even, like, online at the grocery store. It's like I'll pick up the candy bar, and then if it takes me too long to get to the front of the line, you're done. Yeah. it might go back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Back to Mr. Hibbs's list here. We have number eight. He says, without a truly exceptional and out of the ordinary reason, every comic should be listed in previews for initial order. Comics that get listed that get that first get listed on FOC for the first time would then be fully 100% returnable, as we have no way to pull customer data to determine the proper orders. Wow, this is that's a, a goodie. That's a goodie. Inside baseball, right here. Like mm-hmm. I, I was not even really. Un, I didn't really even understand that this was a common thing. I know it has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think Marvel and DC were really the ones to do this. Really, it's sometimes Image or one of the other guys will be like, "Oh, hey, a comic appears," you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess I, it sounds like it sounds like it happens uh, more often than we than we think. And we would even know, yeah. Uh, and definitely, you know. I mean, never let's never forget Brian Michael Bendis always like and, and Hickman too adding one and two comics to their events. Yep. Uh, that's yep. the kind of thing you're talking about here, you know? Like, ta-da! Here's a suddenly your six issue event became an eight issue event. How do you like exactly. that? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's it's funny because uh, you know Phoenix isn't like a small market. I don't think. Yeah, I'm sure compared to. Real cities, it is. I I think it is a fairly big comics market because of the climate and the number of professionals living there. But anyway. It's true. It's Yeah, the, the climate is especially uh, helpful to uh, keep comics fresh and not moldy. Right. But, uh, I mean, out here we'll... Uh, We'll get lists, some or like the the retailer will have a, a list at their register for for these kind of books that uh, that aren't in that that don't show up, you know, and uh, you'd have to sign up for it if you want it, and uh, even right. then you're you know you're not guaranteed to get it. It's just it, I I don't think that's a problem in New York, you know. <laughs> no, not so much. No, but uh, yeah, you know this this is people they got to pull their their customers. They got to exactly. You know, Make sure that you are willing to buy a uh, whatever Spider Woman goes to uh, Bora Bora comic or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, and of course making them fully 100% returnable. That is something I, I think we should see more of. I think that publishers should stand behind their product more mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, uh, I understand that part of the thing that makes the direct market work is the steep discount that can only exist without the return, but 
you know, it's it's slid too much the other way. I think right now we where, need to like hybridize it. Yeah, yeah, we we need to meet in the middle here. Uh, and and they do make some comics are returnable uh, from the big publishers. Usually, when they do want to boost up those initial orders, although you'll never hear what the returns were. No, uh, the numbers are always under wraps. Yeah, uh, but you know that that to, to beef up the numbers. But it it should be, you know, any event from either publisher. You, if you believe in your event. Make those mm-hmm. comics returnable. How about that? You know what I mean? And then we'll see where we land with this. Uh, so, yeah. It's, this, funny, this... it's funny you say that because, like, uh, the last the, the last two events I can think of uh, that it was almost like a backlash that nobody – not nobody, of course, but uh, the shelves were just full of these books. And it was uh, Heroes in Crisis number one. Yes. Which – which I actually forgot to order because it was one of those books that was solicited, then pulled for like two weeks, and then resolicited. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I ordered it the first time because I'm I'm a crisis completionist, and it, it has the word crisis on the title. I got to get it. <laughs> and uh, I I didn't order it the second time around because I forgot, and I had to go to the store, and I'm like, oh crap, this is a, a number one, a big event. Uh, Tom King is a, is a is a hot writer, and I'm I'm like, oh crap, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss out. Yeah. And I get to the store, and there were sixty copies. Wow. Like, I mean, it was there were there were so many copies, it was tipping out of the damn uh, the shelves, and it's like nuts. And then I'm thinking like Marvel's uh, was that that Secret Empire? Right. That thing, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure anybody actually bought it. That had so many tie-ins. I don't think anyone could understand what they had to buy to read the thing. <laughs> so it really I, I did. Could only, I, I could only imagine if those were made returnable. I mean, a lot of retailers would be a lot healthier today. They'd be a lot, a lot healthier. And you know, and again, it puts the impetus on. I mean, really, what a lot of what Brian is saying here is. Make better books and make books make that you believe store. in. Don't just make books to extract money from customers' wallets, which is really what's happening a lot of times. It's like, hey, here's another chance to part some idiot from four bucks, and uh, that's that's not that's not acting in good faith, you know, anymore. It's You're now acting yeah. predatory. Uh, just one other quick thing. This also makes me think of uh, creators who have said, "Don't worry about delays. Don't worry about if your comic because it all." We'll get wrapped up in the trade, and that's what'll get remembered, yep. uh, which is sadly 100% true. But look mm-hmm. what it does to these guys. Look what it, look what you're saying to these comics the retailers. Front line. Yep. Basically, go to hell. You know what I mean? Like we don't care about you. Um, I mean, because we talked, um, I think it was on a comics talk a few months ago, where like when those big delays hit Doomsday Clock, and yeah. you got to figure that the retailers who were counting on. 40, 50 people coming in to buy Doomsday Clock now have to wait another six weeks for those 40 to 50 if they still want right. it. If they get, to come get in. 30 to 40 now, because, you know, again, Maybe. Yeah. reviewing their repurchases, people are like, eh, I'll go, I forget. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or, or it gets to the point where it's like, wow, these delays are really bad. I'm just going to wait for the book. Right. For the trade. And then, then the retailers are just asked out. Oh, that's that's the case with Doomsday Clock right now. I Oh, yeah. I sure. would say, and, and we reviewed that other, that Young Animal one, but Doomsday Clock is one I would say, if you're reading it as it comes out, you're, you're silly. Uh, <laughs> either, buy, either get all the issues as they come out and read them all at once or wait for the trade because yeah. as sporadically as they're coming out, months apart, how is this a serial story? You know what I mean? Like, it's funny you say that. I actually read issues eight and nine yesterday. 
Oh, yeah? And I actually had to go back and pick through the rest of it just to find out where we were. I mean, that's the thing. is, is If you read it as we go, you have to keep yeah. going back. You have to basically reread it every time. You got to dig. Yeah, every gonna time. You're going to biggest expert on issue number one of Doomsday Clock by the end of this. <laughs> uh, and, and, again, Chris and I both like this story. Uh, oh, it's awesome. I think it's, it's yeah. definitely way better than we had assumed it would be, and it's I mm-hmm. am excited for it to conclude. But if you're if you're reading it, as it comes out, it's got to be very unsatisfying, and uh, I think that the attitude is, go to hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, from from DC from, and from yeah. the the creators and the editors. Yeah, oh yeah. It's just going to sure. end up being a perennial, you know, a evergreen trade, and mm-hmm. that's what they care about. That's all they care about. Yeah. So uh, number nine, we're we're finally coming towards these to the end of Brian Hibbs' ten points. Uh, he says, "I call for a data summit." in which all stakeholders come together to have an extensive conversation about how and when, how, why and when to assign series codes to products. Such codes have far-reaching implications for the working retailer's ability to properly order comics, to track data, and to make meaningful conversions to our customers. Diamond regularly and without reason assigns series codes to one-shots while not establishing them for things that are clearly series. This causes endless problems which have to be worked out individually by retailers at great time and individual expense. And this one is really inside baseball, Chris. Yeah, it really doesn't affect us at all. It doesn't affect us. So here's what I think is what's happening here, and and you correct me if if I'm way off base. I think the situation is... You have Superman, okay? Superman mm-hmm. books include Action Comics, Supergirl. I might be forgetting one, you know, whatever is in the Super sure. family. Then they want to do a six-issue General Zod mini, mm-hmm. and they'll code that with the Superman books. That, so they're telling the retailer that, you know, this is something your Superman fans will want. Uh, okay. That's, that's, what I, that's what I think Brian Hibbs wants to see. What I think we are seeing are... Supergirl isn't included in the Superman books. Uh, you know, Electric mm-hmm. Warriors is. It seems it, maybe it's not as down pat as it would be, but it seems mm-hmm. to be indicators for the retailer that should tell them what the customer base might be like. Are failing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not positive about this. Any retailers want to clue us in? Yeah, I'm not sure about that myself Please either. Do, but uh, that one is. Super business owner talk right there, but we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, just head to the end. Because I'm I'm so stuck in my my train of thought here. I think it's like I'm like, are they talking about volume numbers? Like, is a Superman uh, miniseries being assigned a volume number that sets things off later on? But I doubt that's it because that's that's it, more of a collecting problem. Yeah, but. and 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 the idea of codes makes me think that it's like it's coded kind of like the way DC sets up their editorial as. Different groups of, you know, the Wonder Woman group or whatever, the Green Lantern sure, group. Sure, sure. No, uh, the imprint groups, yeah. But then, but then for that reason, you know, the, the people working on Green Lantern, they might also be working on, I don't know, uh, Adam Strange or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't something call that... those the same customer base. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, something that's already... not a one-to-one conversion. And uh, I think what he's saying is that the retailers and uh, stakeholders should come up with this, and that probably makes better sense than it coming top-down. But anyway, that is a lot of conjecture by us. Please. Yes, we, we are not retailers Please in any sense of if you know what the hell he's talking about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, his final one is uh, his point 10. He says, finally... I call for the first three issues of any new series to be fully, no-fee, no-hoop, returnable from all publishers. This includes one-shots and miniseries. 
The only way I see to encourage publishers to be cautious and sober about what they put on the market and how they promote it is to make sure there is a financial incentive to do so, Mm -hmm. and I think that returns are the mechanism with which to do that. We are all sharing skin in the game. Yes. Uh, I could not agree more with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is something the new 52 did, remember. Yep, and Rebirth did too. Did Rebirth do the same thing? But it, mm-hmm. I don't know. Returnable, because that's when all those pictures came out on Bleeding Cool. It's like, look at what a failure Rebirth is. Look at the return pile. Right, right. I, I remember yeah. this, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing is you do get a massive amount of returns, uh, although you have that opportunity to not have that happen. And mm-hmm. if you believe in your book, I, I believe the first six months of the new 52 were returnable. I might be wrong. I think uh, you're right. Either three or six, yeah. So it was definitely three or six, and those for, those initial numbers are, you know, bigger than we've They're seen in, in years. Uh, I, and I bet a lot of them came back as returns, but, again, a good faith effort to say, we believe in this. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we think you can sell it. We know we – and <clears throat> we're going to put ourselves behind it in this way. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that should be happening with many, many more books. I think even when you uh, pop a new creative team on a title. Okay. You know, depend, it, it, factors will, will depend. Uh, sure, sure. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you know, changing uh, the creative team from, say, Dan Abnett to Rob Williams on Aquaman, just to pick, again, a title that I'm reviewing, so it's on my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a big deal. No. Kelly Sue DeConnick coming over from Marvel with Robson Roca, that's a bigger deal. Uh, and whether you renumber it or not, I think putting those things out returnably uh, as returnable would not only boost those numbers, mm-hmm. but it shows like yeah, we this is going to be good. We believe yeah, we in believe this. in this. Isn't just something we're putting out, and yeah. uh, even taking it out of the publisher's hands, it also gives the retailers incentive to sell too because they can order more of something they might have been iffy on give themselves a chance to read it and be able to present it to their customers. Because, I mean, we I don't want to make the retailers seem like they're complete victims here because yeah. these are all business people. These are all people who they've they've been able to find mortgages rents they 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 know what they're doing up to a point here right. uh, with, with the, what's in their control so i mean some of the onus is on them to sell the right. stuff they buy so if there are things that are returnable <laughs> it gives them more product to sell and not have to worry about still feeding their family and keeping the lights Without on because risking if it doesn't their sell, whole neck on it yeah exactly uh, if they it doesn't can get sell, enthusiastic it can about a book and sure. you know say like you got you should check this out and look i have 30 copies of it you know, this is plenty yep. and i'll have 30 mm-hmm. copies next month and the next, next month. month and then for issue four you better put it on the pull list but <laughs> uh, have to pull it yeah <laughs> uh I, I i think that is is a perfectly amenable and Nice system, and you know, if a if a retailer wants to hang on to their back issues because that's part of the business too, mm. that's up to you. That's up to you and your space that's limitations. Yeah, uh, I would even say we could even work it where returns. There's a window, and I think there is a window, but make that clear that there's a window of re- you can't return a comic two years, three years out down the <laughs> yeah. line, which you can with a book, by the way. You, with books, you can return them forever. Okay. Uh, but I believe it not true with periodicals. I think you have to do it within the same uh, selling cycle or something like that. Uh, sure. But if that's not the case, make that the case. That way, you know, it isn't a matter of a retailer looking in their basement saying, "What am I, you know, time yeah, to what sell. am I going to send back this week?" Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I need I need fifty bucks. Uh, <laughs> so 
I'm 100% for that. I think more of these books should be returnable. I think in a way we got to get back to the original newsstand system, uh, closer to it. Yeah. Um, because or a hybrid of the of the two for sure. It's just so closed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's such a closed secret. Like it's almost like a secret society. Uh, we've been buying comics all of our lives, or reading comics and getting them, <laughs> uh, and we still don't know a lot of these details. No. <laughs> you know, like this is all smoke and mirrors. You know, and uh, it doesn't need to be that way. It's 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 really doesn't need to be this world of secrecy and hidden. I mean, numbers. are there any other industries that are like this? Nothing. I, I can't think of one other yeah. industry. Uh, I, I've often wanted to talk to an economist about comics and s- see if they like you know, their hair falls out or something. Because <laughs> if you think about every other industry, every other retail industry, if it's not a factory owned store like a Gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is returnable. That's part of yeah. business. You know, that's part of standing behind your product, except for except for these, except for comics. So it's uh, so strange, so strange, very strange. But I, I, you know, I think Brian Hibbs is probably on the right mark. I, you know, I don't think the publishers have listened or care. No, not not until not until it hurts them in the wallet. I I I, I told you this uh, a couple weeks ago that uh, out here in Phoenix, they there was like a little movement. To stop the variants, yeah. to like slow them down, and where retailers banded together and didn't order certain variants, and then one of the shops did. And that so was it's it. like, okay, so if you want that, if you want all these variants, you go to that one store, and everyone else is screwed because they stuck, they stuck to the plan. Yeah, it's like you, you can't trust it. I mean, when it's money's involved, it's. It, it, it's going to be so hard to get any. It, it's not an integrity move anymore. It's it a financial is, move. It is. Yeah. So you know. It, I love I love all the points he's brought up here. It's just a matter of enacting it and policing it, and I just don't see it ever happening. I don't either. People uh, would see the industry burn and fade away before they did. That's we've we've talked about that before. That I, I you know that for from a publisher's standpoint, they're publishing to order. They have mm-hmm. no incentive to stop doing it, and the day they'll nope. stop doing it is when that number goes into a negative, you know, on a certain yeah. title. And it wouldn't even be a full line. They'd be like, all right, we'll stop doing Batgirl now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the only thing. They have no other reason to stop anything they're doing at all. Everything wow. they're doing is working fine for them. For them, uh, yeah. It's just, it's gutting the industry. And I think I think a lot of them have what they think is their escape hatch into bookstore sales. But I wonder, I wonder. Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how much that'll that'll hang in there. Uh, I mean, people still do pick up single issue comics and get into them, so there's something there, right? <laughs> something will. to them. We like to hopefully think. we like to think so. At least we do. We do <laughs> sort of have a whole channel of podcasts based around that concept. But uh, <laughs> we would, of course, as always, love to know what you guys think about uh, any yes. of this. Uh, you can write to us at weird. Uh, comics history at Gmail. That's our email. That's us. That's uh, post us. Patreon. Go to Twitter. However you like to reach us. Uh, let us know what you think of all this. If you think this sounds fair, possible. If you know exactly what series codes are, uh, mm-hmm. please do. Let us know and reach out. 
For sure, for sure. Yes, and uh, we definitely want to thank uh, Adjacent Culture, also known as Andrew and Belfast, for sending this uh, this article along to us. I don't know if he wanted us to analyze it, but... Uh, <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> so yeah. here's to you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it worked out because this is stuff that we talk about, but not from the retailer side. We talk about from the... It, it, yeah, it's never been this outlined and right. uh, specific. So, uh, yeah, and, this and, is a lot of fun. We see some of the practices that annoy us, like where they come from, so... Uh, I mean that's I mean I'd be happy to do a little more research and maybe talk, sure. Maybe even speak to a retailer and then have them on sometime. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, but that will be our first of two comics talk episodes for the month of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another one coming. I'm not sure what it's about, but we will figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's all we got for him this time. Chris, got anything else for him? No, I think that'll do us. Until next time, folks. I want you to keep talking. Thanks, everybody. I speak the fine of God theories, no need to be high. Always exhale the facts, cause I don't inhale a lot. Play the greater man's game to bounce off my losses. So I could earn the acres, the houses, the horses. Of course, it's much greater than your Benz or your Lex. The engine to my comprehension is just too complex. Much too complex. Effects be live like DOS, making moves down south to avoid the chaos. I never flaunt the coin, cause dime getters be gazing. They call me Luther Van, they say my style is so amazing. I'm phasing those who supposed to have the last. Cause even when I'm gone, I'm reappearing in the after. I have to send respects to real money makers. Do not connect us with those champagne sipping money fakers. Chase the quarter pound with spice from Shot Town. Now, what that proves is so full.